His mom, before she died, used to tell me, you should get away from my son because he is no good. She used to tell me that. You know what I mean? Um, she always said, I know my son's f***ed and he's going to drag you with him. That's what she said, right? And then she... Didn't so he, he was an addict too? Oh, of course. He was a full-blown addict. But the thing is, th this is when it starts to get to your self-esteem, kind of, as an addict. When you have other addicts who are disgusted by you, you're like, are you f***ing kidding me? Welcome to the third episode of the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the podcast. This episode is important for us. We're going to talk about something that we're going which is drug addiction and sobriety. And our very brave friend, Omar, will talk about a very strange story. He went to the dark side and returned again. And it's just such an inspirational story, honestly. على فكرة الحلقة دي تتزاع على جزئين عشان get the full scope of the story and give it its truth uh, we think it's really important and everything needs to be heard and uh, you're gonna hear it over uh, two episodes and uh, listen to Omar's story هي قصة خطيرة بصراحة يعني بجد you won't be disappointed uh, why are you here Omar? oh shit why am I here? Uh, okay I'm here probably because I uh, I think for the most part of my life, actually, that's too philosophical. F that no, no, no. I'm here mainly because at least there are, there's lots of people out there who have never been to recovery house or rehab and probably don't even want to go or anything. Uh, and yet they just need to know that someone can relate to them. That's it. Uh, and the, probably one of the reasons why I never even stuck with sobriety is because I thought I'm in this alone. Even though there are other people around me going through the same thing. But I was sure still that they didn't have my journey. And I still thought I was unique. In, but in a shitty way. You know, unique where it's like, no, and I was a And all that. So uh, I didn't think anyone can actually relate to me. I didn't think anyone is out there who can actually... Everyone who says, I've been sober for five years, ten years or whatever. I didn't think... I thought, okay, that's great for you, bitch. But then what? Like, I didn't... But like, yo, you haven't been what I've been through. You know, there's always how I'm different. So I'm kind of more justified to continue my addiction. If that makes any sense. It makes sense to those who are still using right now. Is this some sort of enabling to you to justify oh, continuing yeah. being uh, definitely addictive? Okay. Definitely. And I may not even know it. Whoever has become sober and found the light, that does not relate to me and a different story. Yes, and also emotionally, I know it's mainly with the emotional part. I thought, okay, you could be depressed, but I'm I'm even more depressed, but you know, it's always like I'm 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 always worse or even a little better. Because, again, I, I can't see that I can actually be one of you. I can actually belong somewhere. I'm always isolating since I was a kid. Always alienating myself from like, humanity and everything. And uh, specifically in this case, it made it even harder. And there's no way I would have accepted help from anyone, especially family members. Family members were the least people I'd accept help from. Uh, And uh, when I went met other recovering addicts, it was the same thing. 
said, no, again, this is the same shit I'm telling you. you what you guys are doing is great for you, but I, I have, I, I had one first time I was like, no, I'm not as bad as you. Second time I was like, no, I'm worse than you. Then the third time I was like, actually, I'm pretty shitty, but there's no hope for me. <laughs> you know, there was always like, but there's a but in every, why I, I can't stay sober. How long has you been, have you been sober now? Six years and a half. And how long were you addict? Oh, addict you know, I've asked myself that question a lot for several years. And honestly, I, I actually don't really know because it was a coma. I actually do not know. But I do know that something happened when I was 12. Okay. <laughs> I was at a party. This is like, I used to live abroad. And then uh, everyone was drinking. I didn't hate, I hated alcohol. I didn't care about that. I went to something else. I wanted to be noticed in the party. And by the way, no one gave a shit anyhow, but I thought it mattered. Uh, I wanted to fit in, I guess. So I skipped the alcohol and I went straight to butane gas. We started huffing that. And uh, a lot of other people did it too. And then was drinking, but then... Butane gas, sorry, basically. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be noticed, you folks. Then I did it. I did it. And then I realized after I did it, no one gave a shit anyway. Like, we don't actually care if you do it or not. But it was just my own insecurities, you know. So again, a lot of people say, okay, you're being a teenager. Really not, most teenagers will probably not do that, but doesn't matter. And then I didn't know what drunk meant. I would drink and drink and drink. Uh, I think it was peach schnapps, some other shit. And uh, I didn't know what drunk meant, but I remember like, you know, throwing all my friends' eggs out on cars and things like that. I just thought I was having a good time. I didn't actually know. But then that's the thing. Addiction doesn't mean drugs and alcohol. I know it's specifically we're talking about in this form, but the personality is there. Because it comes out in other things, with drugs or not, it will. It, it's there. Mm -hmm. it, get, it gets channeled in other things. My, there's the behavior-wise, okay, which I'll explain. Of course, there's towards food, towards work, towards working out, which I had that one, towards working out. It would be until I faint. You know, I'd have to work out until I faint. It can never be enough. I'd have to work out, and you can't just say, okay, I had a good workout. Be like, no, I have to like collapse on the floor, you know? I could be doing something... Something with very good intentions, but I have to make it destructive. Take it overboard. Which is typical bullshit of me, you know? <laughs> I have to, that has to happen. Uh, of course, there's, it doesn't matter towards sex or work. It doesn't matter. Uh, so where does that stem from? Like, where does that need stem from? I'm know? not a scientist or a doctor or something. Everyone has, you know, theories and why you have this. You know, there's been debate of like how some of it is, ge is genetics and then uh, mixed with your childhood, with things that happen in your childhood. But the thing is, it's like, it's, it's very debatable. Some people have amazing childhoods and can grow up to be alcoholics and addicts, you know. So you can't say, uh, you know, uh, based on like neglect from your parents or something. No. Uh, so I can't say why I was born like this. I don't exactly know any. Uh, but, uh, but I'll just, but I know, I know well, now I started to notice Actually, when I was a kid, I remember my behavior was like this and this and this and all that. You know, I started to reflect on when I'm sober this time. Reflect on how how long I've actually had something like th this kind of behavior. Addictive before. traits. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I if, you know, there was always like, oh, I'm just a teenager. Oh, I'm just a little fucked up, maybe whatever. But I can see it now from before, and I, um, you know, no one else in my family is like this. 
my brother's sister, none of them, and they're all, none of them are like me at all. In any of this. I'm actually, I've always, always the odd one out in the family. I'm both the, the addict and the, on the only left-handed one, and the kulushmail. Basically. Uh, several years passed after those, the drinking and the beauty and all that, and I didn't give a shit. Again, it was, it became working out. Then I moved to, to Egypt and uh, became mainly working out and everything. And by the way, I hated people who smoked cigarettes. I actually hated it. People who did pills were disgusting. People who smoked up, whatever. I, there was always them and how I'm like, you guys are despicable. I started joining and by how was, uh, I started with like hash brownies. Yeah, yeah. And then and I, I started smoking cigarettes because of hash brownies, actually. And then uh, anything to make the high last maybe even a minute longer, you know. Uh, and the thing is, since the first time I even got high, regardless of the drug, I'm like, this, this is it. I found what I'm looking for. I found purpose in life. <laughs> this is great shit. I don't need anything else. The family is an obstacle. Kick them out. Friends. Don't need them unless they have something to offer, of course. Uh, of course, studies are gone to shit. There's no way I, I... Some people can do it. Some people can get high and study and, and graduate. I am not one of those people. Um, with me, if it's channeled here, all the energy is channeled here, I'm going on it full force. And uh, it was very successful, you know. Uh, and, and you don't even see how fast you're going. And you never know... When you have actually crossed that line, in the sense that now I can't live without it, you don't know. It happens eventually. It's not a black and white. It's like oh, a series of darker grays. It just yeah. yeah, it keeps going, it keeps going, and then all of a sudden I wake up one day, and I don't even know when, but it starts becoming the automatic wake up. It's under the pillow, or it's in the drawer, or wherever. And if it's not there, you go crazy. And that, sorry, in this stage, you're referring to what type of drug? Oh, okay. Well, specific. Well, okay. At the beginning, I was like that for, say, joints, you know? Uh, and then, of course, it became the pills. And then the pills, it became the heroin. And then the heroin and pills. Actually, those were like the main two like, combinations. And then. When, when you say pills, you mean ecstasy, kazo? No, uh, no, that wasn't the main one. No, I. It was all sorts of. Uh, I like to refer to myself as a chemist. <laughs> for. And I didn't have to study chemistry to know. But, uh, Saidali. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 when I go to a pharmacy, I don't go to a pharmacy. I go to a shopping mall. I know exactly, <laughs> I know exactly what everything does with everything. Doctor. Oh, and I, and I look and, and, and there's always like, I know what does this with this. And I know, and the thing is, pharmacists aren't even aware of this, you know, because there are certain medicines that are taken in certain doses. They don't know what happens if you take 10 times more mixed with this because it's, it's not meant to happen that way, you know? So when I get withdrawal symptoms, I get really f cool. I have the heroin withdrawals and I have every pill and, and syrup and I don't know what else coming all at once. So you start getting some interesting things happening in your body. Very painful, like extremely painful. And emotionally and your mind is like burnt out and you don't know really from what but it's obviously from all of it. And they're off the counter, they're available, you can uh, go buy. No, not all of them. Some are not, some yes. Like, obviously, I mean, okay, since we're in Egypt, for example, the very famous one here is Tramadol, right? And there's all these, like, s other subtypes of Tramadol or just types like Tramadjack and I don't know what, all this other bullshit. But the thing is, uh, 
I did, as again, as I hated pills. There was only one time I took this pill. It was just impulsive. And it was like a half pill. And the next thing you know, it became three, four and all that. And then uh, if I didn't have the heroin, at least I know what to, you know, uh, take care of the withdrawals with temporarily. I'm not happy with the pill. I just want to take care of the withdrawals. And then I go back to what I really want, you know. Um, but the I do remember, and here's the thing. I don't think any regular, by regular, I'm just talking about non-addict person, okay? I don't think anyone's really normal, but uh, what, when I was opening the fridge at home once, I don't remember which age I was, something in my teenage years, why did I just start, no one told me anything, this is all from just from me, it was like quite automatic, no one told me about any drugs or anything, I was just opening the fridge, there was a medicine, and I started reading the pamphlets, again, I don't know why, and it just said on it, do not take while operating machinery or while driving. I said, how exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and so... It, I feel I, like it's like the do not. It was, like... it was, and nothing, it was just my mind said, this sounds like an amazing idea. And so I took two. That, uh, pills? Oh, yes, but here's the thing. It was two. Then I took three. Then just in case, I took ten more. Okay? Based on what? Who who the f said that you need? To, no one told me anything. Like I don't know. Some some people. It's was it is it instinct? I have no fucking idea. Okay, so I took ten. Eventually became thirteen for that first night. By the way, but uh, how old are you? Uh, late teenage years at this point, uh, and then uh, this shit went crazy. Above this this one impulsive act from that fridge became a habit for the next at least five to six, seven years, something like that. It that same, sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, and this is mixed with other drugs too, but I'm talking about how this one thing, the dose of the, of these things. You became, were living with your parents at the time? Yes. Yeah, and that was probably. My stepmom. Okay. That bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, became, that, that has become, that had become a drug of choice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, exactly. It became 30 pills a day. Then it became 90. And it actually went to, a, here's the insanity, but it's not the amount, but I remember this really well. Each sheet had uh, uh, 10 pills or capsules, actually, they're actually capsules. There was one day where I took uh, 108, exactly. And I remember the number for a reason. I remember that I had three more. It was going to be 111. I just had like some random ones. And I remember thinking, no, come on, this is way too much. Take three out, 108 is fine. But 111, you know, and you know, this is the kind of way to justify yourself all the time in addiction, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And then, of course, comes with the heroin. Like, well, I hate the downfall of these pills. I feel extremely depressed and it's disgusting. They call it a perversion of taste. The cigarettes taste horrible. Uh, the food tastes like shit. And, and one of the side of uh, like with side effects of it would be insomnia amongst a bunch of other things, but this is the one I hated the most, the insomnia one, because I wanted to at least sleep off the downfall, okay, which I can't. So, thank you, heroin, <laughs> and I take that care of that, and then once the downfall is over, back to the pills again, and back with the heroin, it's just on, it's automatic. And this is peak time. The, the whole day, from the moment I wake up, this is all I'm trying to do, maintain this high until, I'm not gonna say until I sleep, because I don't, uh, but, just keep going, going. You're a machine. But, uh, you don't think about it. 
what's the high? Like, uh, my, my question is, like, people, pre- some what? people prefer, like, psychedelics so that they can f- find something that's not there. Or people <laughs> prefer pills to find, like, the What's love up? and the, like, really listen to the music. I'm wondering about oh, yeah. this high, like, what's the mindset? What's going Ooh, through on, like, oh, your, oh, like, yeah. um... Yeah, yeah, I know the, what you mean. The music was really important for me. It was the most important thing for me. Because most of the time, I'm got, I got high alone. And music is my best friend in, you know, all this. And, uh, in fact, it would be a buzzkill if I don't have the music uh, and all that. And uh, I didn't... I mean, it's not all for the music, but that's humongous portion for me personally. And the thing is, I can be anyone on it. I can be anything on these drugs. You know, I remember I thought I was Johnny Cash for a long time. It was great. I you thought, used to play music? Uh, see, I would have liked to say that I did at that moment. <laughs> that's my point. I can be anyone. And, uh, you know, I was Hendrix at some point. Then I became, I became Johnny Cash for a while. Maybe too much. I was no longer Omar. I was just Johnny Cash for Dress a while. in black. <laughs> oh, but I just the black anyway, you know, it's not because of Johnny Cash, uh, but that's the thing. Uh, and then it's like you can be anything you want, but the, what you cannot be at all costs is yourself. That's the, that's, that's the problem. That when you, you get sober, you were like, oh, f- I'm stuck with this. No, that's not an option. I don't want to be this person. Was that the problem to begin with, you think? It's always, it's always a symptom of something. Drugs, uh, the addiction, sorry. Uh, it's always a symptom. It's not the cause of something, you know? Mm. Of course, that's what I mean. The causes, like who knows exactly where in my childhood where it went wrong or whatever flaws I was trying to suppress. But of course, there were insecurities. Lots of flaws that I saw as like, you know, just damaged goods kind of. I, I want to go on a tangent, uh, a tie back. Like you say, you... Everything but to be yourself. But so when you were talking, speaking earlier mm. about um, about how you're talking to other addicts, it's like, no, you like there's an ego or like I am here and you're different. Mm. And then with other with another dynamic where you're talking about Bardu, the ego of uh, like friends with Tala, oh, they didn't give a shit. But like, yo, I'm, I'm better. And Azdi, do you do you value You did not value your ego at one point in time, and then you had that strength, and then to other sober people, it's like you don't understand me. But at the same time, do you get what I'm trying to connect here? I'm trying to. But then I'm telling you, you valued your 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 state of mind, and then and then and then in this situation, I'm better than you. When I'm high, you mean? Yeah. Oh, definitely, I'm better than everyone. Okay. For sure. But you didn't want to be yourself. No. I knew what was happening with myself. What about myself? I thought I was, and these were like were fears of sobriety. I'm going to be boring. I'm going to be extremely uninteresting. I'm going to be, um, I don't talk enough or whatever. But my question is to whom? Because you said that most of the time you were alone anyway. They're all, they're all in your head, really. I mean, it's not, that's the thing. There's, there is such a thing as like feelings that aren't real. And by that, I'm talking about, uh, you feel inferior. You feel like you're worthless. Okay, based on what? Book and is it in some book? Omar, yeah, Kelb, you f- worthless shit. It's a fact, Yanni. No, it's like think they're not real, but those are just fears that I had, or being sober at least, you know. Okay, I have a question. The way you were describing it, to me, I, I envision you for Oda, for Beitu, where you go through these. trips of whatever انت بتصحى متضايق من حاجه معينه او المشن بتاعتك هي انه انا اي ونت تو جيت ذس هاي او او كده هاو 
how and why was it that easy for you to access كده او فين الانتراكشنز بتاعت الحياه بقى اليوميه سواء مدرسه جامعه اهل حاجات مطلوبه منك اسيبلي تاسكس ايفن سكورينج ذا دراج كنت لازم برضه تتعامل مع بشر يعني نو يا اي مين يس ذاتس ذا ثينج او نو بيكوز ذير واز ا لوت اوف لوت اوف بولشيت اوف كورس يعني يا ذا مومنت يو ويك اب از اي سيد يو ار ا ماشين اي دونت هاف ذا دراجز اند ا لوت اوف تايمز اي ديد نوت هاف اني ماني اتس نوت ا بروبلم Okay, you will find a way to steal. If you're not steal, you're going to hustle. If you're not going to hustle, you might ask for a favor. Always through some manipulation, you know, it's not, uh, and all that. And and I did have one guy who was always. I'm not going. He didn't have my back. That's I would. That's not the right way to put it at all. But I definitely like. He had kids or one kid, an adopted kid too. Be like, well, I just happen to have a lot of toys for your child. You know what I mean? Little th- as if I give a shit about his kid. I didn't care about his kid. You know, little things. You just have to win someone over to get one high. That's it. Doesn't matter what it takes. You know, I um, stopped a woman in the middle of the road and uh, somewhere in Heliopolis. Uh, of course, she was terrified of me. She just saw me. She saw how I looked, and in her mind, she's gonna get murdered. You know, but I actually took money from her, and she glad and not. She didn't know. That's not true. She didn't gladly give it to me. She gave it to me out of fear. You know, and it's not one of those things I even planned. It's just something on the spot. This is what I need to do for you. It's survival. That's how you see it. What did you ask her, مثلاً يعني ال? Oh, I was really high, but I just I remember the look on her face, and I remember she just said, "Oh, I remember she gave me money out of fear because she thought I was gonna uh, you know hurt her." And then she said, uh, and then I I decided once I have the money, I was feeling a little better about myself. I'm like, oh, so what university do you go to? <laughs> Meanwhile, let's be some let's be friends. Wow, you know. Uh, just like forget everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but how are you today? That's what matters. So, when you were in the time, Omar, what did you do? You were in school, school, yes, yes. How like that? Uh, um, well, school. I ended up graduating high school. That is, and and that was um, good. Then university. Uh, I okay. So I failed most of my classes uh, for a year and a half. Then I had to transfer. You know, oh no! I had to transfer a reason, but I had to transfer a because I was always high, and too much money was being spent on nothing, and also a lot of hustling in university. You know, I eventually I found people who, you know, didn't know how to score certain things or wanted to score something. Things are similar. I'm like, well, here's your guy, because I'll go and rip them off. You know, it's always a way. To, it's, it's good. It's good business in that mode. You know, and then. There's the thing, but I had to. There's a lot of for universities for the two universities I went to. There's a lot of uh, medical documents saying I again I have to miss a say a month of classes or a semester because I'm supposedly depressed. You know, uh, not once did we write for addiction. We always wrote for depression. Uh, technically, it was true, but that's not why I went. You know, the depression comes with it definitely, but. Um, In terms of like obligations from university and family, no, there was there was basically none in my mind. There were obligations that I fulfilled them. No, not at all. Uh, my dad used to call me. Uh, well, this happens a lot, but uh, don't come home, please don't come home because uh, your my you know his wife, her children are going to be there and we can't have you. You know, my presence hurts people. Even if I'm not physically doing something, like if I'm not actually getting high on the spot or something, me being there is hurting everyone around me. Okay, whether I know it or not. Uh, 
So there's no obligation that were ever fulfilled. Was I a brother to my younger brother? No. no. Uh, you know, there was a time where I uh, was, again, see, that's the thing. My eye is always, my mind's always on the prize. So it's, uh, why don't you be a good brother for once and take your younger one to the mall and watch a movie? He was around eight or nine at the time. I said, okay. I only said, okay, for one reason, not because out of love. It was in my mind, it was, that means I'm getting money. I'm getting money to take him out. And that means I can also limit how much fun we have. It's a computer. You know exactly how you're going to do it. Okay, he's going to get popcorn in this movie. Don't get him the expensive snacks because you need that money later, you know. Don't buy it. <laughs> Things like that. You have it all figured out. Did your family know that? Were they aware of your, uh, your drug addiction at the time? They, not in the beginning. They got the shock of their life at 5 a.m. by the maid Hanan. Because, oh yes, she was like a spy for my stepmother. Okay. Right? Uh, they knew nothing before. Sure, they would sometimes be like, oh, you look tired, you know, things like that. Uh, it was uh, 5 a.m. and I had mixed uh, those same pills that I was talking about from the fridge from like years ago, right? About 30, 40 of them inside a syrup that, and then other things. And uh, so by then, I, I had no control. I don't know who. You don't know anything. At that point, you're gone. Do you remember how old you were? This, I was 20. Okay. About, yeah, 19 or 20. And then... Um, one thing led to another in the sense that uh, they told me the stories that I did not know until the next day. My father is the one who woke me up in tears. I'm like, what the f is this? And he was like, uh, how are you feeling? Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> and then he said, like, do you have any idea what you're doing? I said, no. He, <laughs> he started to tell me shit. He started to tell me like that I went into uh, the freezer and I took a giant Aishfino. Uh, and use that as a radio or something like that on the ledge in the balcony. And I started talking inside the Nutella jar and saying, telling it very sweet things and I don't know what. And then I cooked my iPod in the microwave. And I was wondering, Fan, why the f does my iPod not work? It was like, it was fried literally from inside. And then of course I scared the shit out of my sister in her room because my pupils are completely dilated. There's no such thing as consequences. Not, 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 you're not aware at least. And even if you are aware, actually a lot of time I am aware. You don't care because it's survival mode. You need to do what needs to be done, regardless of the drug. Of course, heroin has its own journey, to, uh, its own set of consequences that are different than from someone obviously lying to a pharmacist, you know, or a prescription or something. It's not the same set of things that it's going to happen. They're both shit, but, you know, there's a big difference between telling a lie and you having to physically go hours out in the middle of nowhere where people are either going to see you as a customer. You f*** up something, they shoot you dead. It's, there's no joke about it. It's always like that. They have, it's always like Bedouins or whatever, and farmers, you know. Uh, they, to them, you know, they're, all, they're relatively poor. And to them, it's like, you don't, you don't come here to joke. You know, you, to them, they, they don't even use the drugs. They don't use drugs. They, they come and they say, you don't like it, get out, or we shoot you. It's that simple, you know. Uh, and there's a lot of hiking, to go to these places, uh, lots of favors. Uh, as okay, see, with women, this part can be an issue. Well, it is an issue with them. With them, they do offer sexual favors to these people to get a free hit and things like that. You know, 
Of course, with guys, it's a little different. But, you know, I would get them Kisa Yustafendi, <laughs> KFC, orange, whatever, things like that. And I've sold a bunch of laptops. I've sold uh, to them, things like that. Uh, and it doesn't matter. You don't need money. Uh, you just need to get through one more hour, maybe two hours, you know. Uh, and then you think about what you're going to do after that. When we talk about addiction, uh, the way we see it, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a superficial way of looking at it. But Damon, uh, uh, feel, I feel like uh, friends play a, a big role, like peer pressure and stuff like that. Uh, What can you tell they, us about they, that? They, they do, but they don't have to be the cause at all for anything. No, I mean, the, sure, yeah, they definitely can influence that, yeah, right? You had influence from yes, or yes. uh, totally on your own? Um, oh, okay, okay. No, I had influence from, for certain drugs. Then certain things that were complete on my own. <laughs> Certain, what? I have a question. Like to, to find these outlets, Yanni you're not, it's not your first instinct to go miles out and hike into wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you had to know someone to oh, know yeah. someone. For that, who's, yeah. is that a friend? Is that not oh, so called a friend? Oh, friend. Exactly. That's the thing. Is Azdi yeah. know to have someone, a facilitator for that? Yes, yes. Uh, for, for this case, yes, that, that's what happened. He was actually a taxi driver. Uh, and then he became a so-called friend. Okay. And, and a taxi I mean, driver turned friend. Uh, oh yeah, he became uh, then he became a private driver and all that. And then I started getting real good friends with his wife, and his wife used to cook me dinner. So what we do is we'd go to his house, the heroin's on the table, and then fee uh, capsa <laughs> in front of us. So we have both of those. I, I was part of the family. His mom, before she died, used to tell me, "You should get away from my son because he is no good." She used to tell me that. You know what I mean? Um, She always said, I know my son's f***ed and he's going to drag you with him. That's what she said, right? And then she... So he was an addict too? Oh, of course. He was a full-blown addict. But the thing is, this is when it starts to get to your self-esteem, kind of, as an addict. When you have other addicts who are disgusted by you. You're like, are you f***ing kidding me? So this was one of these guys. And there are dealers who told me, like, you need to stop. I thought, what the f***? does that even exactly you're like i can't even be a successful addict it's like oh <laughs> like really it's it, it, it's such a weird point wow. to come to that uh these a lot of these people and by a lot i'm talking about like there's a certain uh maybe two or three of them specific ones who uh stopped contacting me uh even if i had drugs they'd stop talk, talking to me Which is like, you don't, you don't, you're not, you, so you're not even desperate enough to talk to me even to get high once. You know what I mean? They wouldn't talk to me. And one of them, they start telling each other not to contact me because I'm, I'm too, I don't know, what, bad or disgusting or something. Well, that's the thing. It's not, it's, in that case, it's, it's not one incident. It's, it's several, something accumulating over years, really. Uh, with lots of embarrassments in the streets, lots of, you know, of course, the doses of things, the way I used to black out, or not way, sorry, the, the amounts, the amount of time I used to black out, uh, and things like that. Um, so eventually they just, they just said, like, we, we can't be around you. We can get high with our own stuff, even though some of them are doing the same things, uh, but oh, not like this guy, not like you. So, If you go to a dealer and he says, you need to stop, like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah, like, you're, but you're losing, you're losing customer. <laughs> Why can't I do heroin too? <laughs> I know you said that, uh, I know you said that uh, you can't really pinpoint a sabab of addiction, but you did mention, you know, uh, 
حاجه مش شرط تكون ليها علاقه بالمخدرات انه حاجه بيرسوناليتي تريت هل تقدر ديكونستراكت ذس اكتر تقول مثلا ايه الحاجه اللي ممكن بتخلي ان اديك از لايك سايكو اوبسيسيف تريت في البيرسوناليتي او اوكي اي سي ويل هيرز ذا ثينج ذي يوزلي هاف تريتس ان كومن But you're going to find lots of you know, people who agree with these things and some say, oh, this could be a myth. Here's the thing with the addicts, at least that I've met, or, and including myself that in this case, impulsive, very uh, lots of risk-taking, anything with an adrenaline, okay? So it's like the next best thing. So you have the drugs is out. Okay, shit, what's next? A lot of people go to sex. They think that's like the next best thing. That's not me. With me, it's it's gotta be. I've got to like jump off something. There's gotta be something exploding. I've got you know. It's gotta be something fast and hard. It Sex is like no. It, it doesn't give me that escape. That's that's for me. Some people will go somewhere else. That's fine. Uh, there's of course the denial. Always denial about. Always blaming others for a, a, uh, whatever like actions you know which they're very responsible for. But it's always blaming something else. Always and uh, of course there's. With that comes the dishonesty and the manipulation. I mean, it goes hand in hand with the denial a lot of times. Um, so it, it, all these things together. Uh, and that's what I mean, that if, if you take out the drugs and alcohol, okay, it'll show up in something else. It'll sprout up like that, you know. Uh, but there are healthy ways to channel it, you know. Like, honestly, the addictive personality, as, as much as destructive as it has been for me, It's also led me to do things like to the end. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm going to be f- driven, but you know what I mean? Something uh, through. <laughs> definitely. Sense you know? of perseverance. Um... Oh, yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's when you start. This, and and that's, this comes with support with other people too, the recovery. And it's of to knowing, knowing when is that line of the healthy perseverance and the unhealthy one. You know, just like as I was saying, as working out, I have to faint every time. I have to collapse and I don't know what. It's like. You, you need to know when that line is. Same with working, uh, workaholics. You know, you, work is great, but there comes a point where are you starting to neglect your entire family? You know, are, are you, things like that. How's your social life? How's your mental health? It's like, no, I just need to make sure I finish this task every time and forget about my everything else, all the responsibilities. You know, there is an unhealthy line you can cross. Um, anyways, I, I, uh, I don't know what the f- healthy meant for anything. I um, was sober for a year. No, sorry. I got sober several times. I've relapsed all those times except this one. Uh, every time I relapsed, it was the same trick. Same trick in your head. It goes, you can do it. It's fine. You know, you've, you've gotten, say, two months sober, three months sober, four, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think you've had enough of that. You know, I think you've given sobriety a taste and I did not like it, you know. And I always thought the feelings I had, you know, the hopelessness, the, the insecurities, the, all that shit in my mind making me believe that it's going to last forever, that nothing's changing. Here I am three months sober and y'all are still mad at me. Bitch, please. You know, my dad didn't trust me for at least another three to four years, at least. Still, they'd have their doubts. They'd have, they'd, I've been searched in the house. After getting searched at a checkpoint, I'd come home and get searched in the house. Like, what the f*** is this? I swear, I'm sober. <laughs> But it's like you've done so much damage around you that, and you've made lots of promises. False promises, of course, you know. I always, you know, I always thought that the trick to get my dad to trust me when I'm high is to, of course, do it the religious way. So I'll get the Quran, I'll swear on it 50 times. I'm sober or, or I didn't get high or I will and all that. Of course, all bullshit. 
So I thought one day I'm going to manipulate my dad. I'm going to fake like I'm praying with him at Fegr. And uh, maybe, maybe he'll see his perspective will change. And he'll give me money the next day to have fun. I went, I went, I salat al-Fajr. Awwal raka'ah. Awwal raka'ah. I passed out on the floor. I was really... <laughs> and then I didn't know he finished. And then he tapped me. He's like, Itnail khushnam ya kalb. Right? And then so I did it again a week later. I'm like, okay, maybe I can, this time I can succeed in this trick. And I, and I started tilting back and forth in the prayer. You were high? Oh, of course, and I, pray, and I passed out again. You know? No, I've gotten... I have... I have no... There's no, no, no such thing as like inappropriate or whatever. I got high in mosques because I found it convenient. You know, I needed just some water sometimes or whatever. It doesn't matter. I get, I get high in funerals. I get high. It doesn't matter. I steal from friends. I steal from family. I steal from friends of family. I steal from family of friends. It, there is no such thing as a moral code. It's not like... like And a lot of times you don't want to do a lot of it. It's not like... They're all just as exciting uh, as the addiction kind of, it's a progressive thing, they, they call it, right? So it just gets worse and worse. It never gets better. And every relapse, it's always worse. What you do is when you relapse, you pick up where you left off and you go full force again, you know? Get more creative, get more... No, no, full force as in you... Yeah, sure, that could be one thing, but it could be even as simple as just like, you know, how, like it's kind of like you've been hungry for a while and here you are just binging all of a sudden, you know? There is no, um, uh, every time I was relapsing, I was always trying to come up with a new excuse why I, I, I deserve to relapse and why sobriety is not working or why maybe the meetings aren't working or whatever. And the truth is that it's just, I, I, I still had what they call reservations. Well, by that it means, you know, you still have a, a, literally a spot reserved in you where it's like, I'm going to get sober until something, you know, until means that you've, you're going to get high, but until then you won't, you know. So it could be until Mesalan I, I have my first salary. It could be I'm going to stay a year sober and then do it. Uh, maybe I won't get uh, high until Mesalan I, I start, until I move out of my house. As a way of rewarding yourself? I kind of, kind of. And it's kind of like, a, sometimes, a lot of times it's a very unconscious decision. A lot of them, you're not even aware that that's what it is. Or if I get into this specific situation, if it happens when I'm sober, I'm getting high. <laughs> you know, things like that. And you uh, have that final goal in mind. There's so always, that's why, and that's always what that prize at some point. But uh, that prize started, I started to look at it with like dread later. With absolute dread. It would just be like, oh yeah, I could get high. That's it. Like I could, but it's like, you know, because I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. Not financially. Like financially is one thing, sure, but it's like I, I can't afford it in every other way. Physically, emotionally, everything. I, I can't do it again. Uh, getting up and I, I really, it takes a lot of effort. Way too much effort. And it takes a lot of effort from other people just to put up with that shit if they put up with it. So there are times they didn't put up with it and they kicked me out of the house. And I'd sleep in the garden with a bunch of melody dogs and like the sprinklers and all that. And uh, and I'd wake up and I'd think like oh, life's pretty good right here, you know. Like my 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 view on life is really from here down the road. That's it's that thin, you know. It's just like my house is there, and there there are things that people who probably would love to be in, you know, maybe a room with an AC. It's like it is a privilege, but it's just like my mind is like this is really all I want. I have no standards. I will always settle for less in life. It's like here I. 
I don't care about my surroundings. It's like I'm high right now and that's what matters. Um, and, and it doesn't, no, really, that's your goal. That's it. Like there's no, there's no other perspective on life really. You're just present right now. Oh, absolutely. Very present. In a way, I was quite spiritual. So spiritual, Brad. That's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of spirituality... That's bullshit, actually. Did you think... <laughs> <laughs> so do you think uh, when you were high and on these trips, did you get any epiphanies? Any sort of like, you know, like people that say they take LSD and... You see God. And see God and like understand what life is all about and stuff. Was there any of that or was it just like none of that? Whoever the f*** says that, when they're, oh God, that is the furthest thing away from the truth. <laughs> no, you see, sure, you can see God in through the pain and all that, but it's like, it's not like this drug saw, made me saw God. I saw a lot of shit. I was talking inside a Nutella jar, telling it sweet things. So spiritual, you know? And uh, when I was on a bridge and the bridge is going up with me, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This is so spiritual. Like, I can feel God. Like, no, I feel the drugs. I don't feel God. I feel the drugs. Because the drugs are our way. What do I feel? Shitty, depressed, angry, impulsive. You know, I mean, impulsive anyway, but still it gets amplified because I don't know what to do with myself. You know, it's like I'm left, I'm left with myself now and, and I don't know how to kind of use myself in a way. You don't know in your mind, you don't know what a friendship is. You don't know what a family is. You don't know what the value of money is, how to have a, even a kind of decent social interaction. Uh, you don't know how to have sex. You know, nothing. You, you don't know how to be a human, really. That's all it is. Um, and it's like you're living again. You have to live twice now. Now you're doing it in another form. And sure, it's not always the best feeling. Definitely not in the beginning. I would agree with anyone who goes to that. It does not feel great in the beginning. And that's the thing. You don't judge how you feel. Because um, you. I, I, I used to judge how I'm doing, but how I'm feeling, which turned out to be completely false. Because for the if we're talking about the first year of sobriety, I felt all those shitty ass feelings, but I was doing better. You know, I just didn't feel good, but I was doing okay. And I don't even know it. That's the thing. Uh, I mean, technically when I was high, I was feeling great, but I was not doing okay. You know, so it's not, it's very false. If you judge how you're doing by how you're feeling all the time, it's not an accurate measurement at all. Hello, Oil Angle So, how, what would be your gauge, basically? Is it other people telling you that you're doing okay? Well, Lanta, well, Lanta, Definitely. I mean, okay, and I'm doing better with treating family, with treating friends, with doing okay at a job. Well, like, any. No, okay, well, support is definitely very important. Any addict that goes at it alone, it has its limitations. I'm not going to tell you that you're destined to relapse. Maybe you're going to stay sober. But we're talking about the quality of the sobriety here. We're not talking about how long you can stay sober. That's not the point here. It's about how you can live differently sober. How to stay sober, right? Also, uh, not getting sober, right? Obviously, a support system is probably the number one of importance here. Because, of course, people will see things you don't see. Definitely. Especially when it comes to the self-deception and why you think you're right in certain things or, or wrong or whatever. Uh, denial of maybe how your behavior is or whatever that again you think you're very righteous in it uh, and all that so all of this support system will they will show you uh, how you're that you know all of a sudden every now and then you just need that reality check or a refreshment have you do you remember how you walked in into these meetings or into the hospital or whatever do you remember how fucked up you were do you remember even 
thinking you can get the next hour sober. You know what I mean? You need those people to remind you where you're coming from, to know that what you're, what you're going through this moment, this feeling of, oh, I'm not doing okay. It's like, actually, it's, you're, you're full of shit. You're doing great. You know, you feel bad now. That's okay. But that's it. That's all there is to it. It's just one little feeling and it might take a day to pass. doesn't matter. But the idea is, I mean, I didn't like people who told me, oh, everything's going to pass. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Because I passed everything through drugs. So it didn't matter. I need, you need to, it's not about it passing. It's about how you're passing it, right? I can pass it high again, but it's not an option. I mean, it's an option. It's not a good one for me anymore, at least. Or I can pass it this way, you know? Uh, one of these things of this way, I mean, is, and this is really hard to do. It really is. Because once your mind gets fixated on, like, say, if you really want to, like, relapse or really hurt someone or even hurt yourself, you really want to do it. It's, it's really hard to get out of that mode for one second just to pick up the phone and call, in this case, another recovering addict, just to tell them, this is what I'm thinking, okay? Uh, and basically, it's just letting out the idea. It's like you're exposing yourself for that moment. Sometimes, and this has happened a lot with me, they just laugh. And that's totally okay. It's not like I need them to convince me not to do it. No, I'm not looking for that. Uh, I, you just need to be listened to for that moment. And you'll find actually a lot of the times when you're talking about how you find that you see the insanity of the idea. So I remember like I want to relapse. Like I want to relapse because I feel lonely. I feel lonely because and I'm coming up with these reasons. Then I'm like, actually, it's not a good enough reason. Shit. <laughs> I really like it starts. No, it doesn't become convincing anymore. I love how he says shit. Shit. <laughs> no, we all know from the wire. <laughs> shit. But that, no, it, it, the reasons do not become, I started to look for ways to rationalize why I'm justified to get high again. And honestly, I am out of them. I'm really, till now, this has been going on for years. I can't find one good reason now to relapse for. Uh, except it's just like every time I do it, I'm like, damn it, there's a solution to this one. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, okay, well, maybe, what are you sad about? Oh, no one's calling me. But do you call them? You know, <laughs> like, like there's you, you become the awareness plays into it. Your mind has now lived, you can live, you've lived this and you've lived in this mode. And it's like this kind of tends to overpower this one at some point. You, know, you will have that struggle all the time in your mind. There's always a tug of war, right? But over the years of sobriety, I've noticed that when I wake up in the morning, there's no longer that first thought of, I want to die. Just like that, based on nothing. I just wake up like, oh, I want to die. <laughs> just like that. Or I want to get high. It's not there now. It's not there. Um, I'm not saying it can't come back, but I'm saying this is where I've been at for years now. It's just, it's, it's, you've changed so much that your mindset changes with it. That it's like, I don't, I, it's not an overwhelming obsession I have in the morning now or, or, or throughout the day. I think about it every day. Think, but it's not that overpowering obsession now, you know? This is because the quality of your sobriety it, it was... It depends, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. If you start lying every day, and again, you fall back into the, those old habits, start lying every... Hanging around with all those people that you know you shouldn't be hanging out with, specifically if, you know, if they're doing the drugs, you do too, but that's not the point here. And then, you know, maybe, let's say, always cheating on your girlfriend. Doing everything, just old habits again. Uh, you'll find that you're getting closer and closer to a relapse, and you don't even know it. It's not like your mind will tell that's got high, like, but it's like it'll get closer and closer to kind of 
I guess, dehumanizing you again. And that eventually you do get high and you don't even know why. You're like, where the f*** did that come from? It's old habits. It takes us back to that self-centered behavior of ours where our needs is what matters. Our, that instant gratification right away. Pleasure. Gratification. Oh, yeah, of course it comes with, I mean, again, like with the prize, right? Uh, and this is and the impatience of things. And uh, the thing is, we, I ended up, I didn't want to, I mean, I didn't, okay, when I was like sober three, four months, again, I'd relapsed but before, right? But it all had to do with this isn't happening fast enough. Uh, my life isn't getting better fast enough. I'm not getting trusted. I'm not getting, I'm not having the, the job that I want or money or salary I want. It's like, actually, you know, everyone else is working for these things. It's like, no, I want it now, bitch. <laughs> I want it now and I want a lot of it and it can't end. It's very just unrealistic desires that you're, you know, and it's like you, it doesn't stop in that money. It's like there's, it's not humanly possible to have such desires always met like that. No, you can't. It's like, I have to have sex every, I don't know what, and it can't end my, I know, things like that. I want to get a salary for doing nothing. I want things like that. So you get really, you're like a child. That's what it is. You are like a child. They have the same kinds of talks, you know. Hell, they can be more reasonable, actually, you know, because really at this point, uh, you get very aggressive, too, if they're not met. And if you're not aggressive, you're still very miserable, you know. Lots of expectations from life, and it's like, what? Does life actually owe me, you know? <laughs> I have a question. Um, uh, treading back, um, you were talking about how your pop was like, uh, don't uh, don't come home or don't... Uh, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my question is, um, do you feel with the lack of the support into helping you become sober at certain points, how facilitated the cycle down? Like, because you've antagonized friends that uh-huh. are solid, your family are uh, pushing you away or whatever, you feel like it, it cycles down to worse? Like that sense of isolation. What about it? It become... To isolate yourself, become uh, a more devout addict. The, the, oh, so, definitely. Uh, it pushes me even for Yeah, it gets me even worse. It's not their fault yeah. <laughs> or anything. It's just like, you know, it, it definitely didn't have like a positive effect on me. It wasn't like, oh, maybe I should get my shit together. You know, it wasn't ever like that. It was just like, into command. <laughs> so they you gave know? you the reason to... It, it was fine. I had no guilt about it. Like, I didn't care. It was just more of like, oh, here's another one down. Okay, that's fine. Because... You know, in your mind, it's like, well, that's one less person out of the way in terms of who can interfere with you, especially the family and the friends and all that, you know. Oh, the amount of friends I've hung out with just to, you know, be able to manipulate. It's like, I didn't care about the conversation and like, I didn't want anything. I didn't care, uh, you know, and I don't, you don't give, you know, simple things. People like, people started thinking I'm like asexual at some point too. Like, you just don't give a shit about sex. I'm like, no, I don't because you have your sex. Why? There really is nothing better than for sex does not compare to like something like heroin. It does not compare, you know, but that's the thing. You have such unrealistic desires then because it's like, I need something to be that's good all the time. And, but that's the same thing that's killing you, you know, killing you really fast too. So that's the thing. You will die to like, to have that high, you know, forever. You, you say you've been back and forth, back and forth, yeah, yeah, back yeah. and forth. Did you, 
how did you get through it? Like, um, I don't, uh-huh. I don't understand the mechanism. The, uh-huh. the was it at home oh, cold cut? Well, uh, oh, rehab. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other journey, actually. No, never at home. Uh, home was not an option because it's too, it's too easy. Uh, by too easy, I'm talking about too easy accessibility wise in terms of, you know, if it comes down to me having to like fight for the key with my dad or whatever, I'll do it. You know, there will be a point and it'll probably come in the first like hour. <laughs> you know, you don't have to wait two, three days of withdrawals. It'll come in the first little while. Uh, and I did do that. You know, I ended up having to like punch my stepmother out of the way to get out. And I still pushed back in like <laughs> by someone else though. Right. Like you can't. But uh, detoxes. Yeah. Oh, those, that's a whole other thing, man. The detox is here. Now, a lot of people don't know how these places are like because a lot of people here can afford the high-class ones. Uh, by high-class, I'm talking about like Okesha or Behmen. The, I think Behmen's the most expensive one in Egypt, actually. Um, now, these are not like that. These are little apartments. A lot of them are in Mu'attam. So, sorry to interrupt. When you say uh, expensive, I, I honestly have no clue. Like, what, what, what's the benchmark here? Any came as an expensive that day? Well, at that hospital, I don't know. I don't know about Behman. You have to ask people who went to Behman. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, that's the thing. I didn't know about that. But like these other ones, uh, I mean, they could. Be, that's the thing. They because they include lunch and all that. Some can be five hundred a day. So some whatever. Some they're all very different, and also they don't they don't so give 50, everyone the same 50, price. Fifteen grand a month is not a small amount. Yeah, fifteen grand. No, these are detoxes. It's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. And there's like phases. There's detox, and then there's something after called the halfway house. Okay, both of them up the ass definitely. And I'm gonna. I'll tell you the benefits I got from it, but also the bullshit that they do. Okay, right? tell me about the detox. Oh. All right. No, no, detox is here. A lot of them are in Mu'attam. These are like some of the worst ones. And then in uh, Haram and Medit Nos. Uh, I went to the ones in Mu'attam and in uh, Medit Nos. Oh, sorry, and in uh, Haram. Of course, you go in. Uh, at this point, forget any rights you have. Anything. They do not treat you human at all. And one of them came out on uh, by the way. Uh, this is several years ago. So maybe eight, seven, something like that. I think it was like new to everyone. It was like, what? They actually do this to people? I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's just the first video, I guess, who came out. No, no, they tie you up there like uh, literally like goats, you know, like or like or something like that. And then they uh, give you several injections. So one of them is called Sofinis. Uh, this one literally makes you like, like paralyzed and your tongue can go back and stuff, so you can easily swallow it, you know? Uh, and it's like, uh, they call it, you know, behavior control, but it's not even behavior control. It's just control. That's all it is because a lot of these things, it's happened. It happens all the time. Uh, it's sim- some, something as simple as you're not sleeping in the right time. Someone doesn't want to sleep now. You know what I mean? So, okay. Things like that. That's, and, uh, they ended up feeding the dogs much more than us. They had boxer dogs. I remember this is one of the ones in Mu'attam and I remember this is named Detox, that's what it was called. Apparently, this guy died. <laughs> Gives a shit, okay? But this guy was a piece of shit. All of them, it was just a business to him. And uh, I'll, when you go in, of course, but, uh, when it comes to, people want to talk about consent. <laughs> in terms of consent, lack of consent, you know, physically, of course. And this guy, I remember I would go in. And I did not want, I did not, they, they forced me to sign some document there. 
I didn't do it uh, willingly, but I do remember all of them grabbing me on the floor and saying, you're going to sign this paper. I have no idea till now what I signed. I have no idea. Um, it's because I was brought in high. So to them, it's just like, it doesn't matter if it's willingly or not. But you were yeah. brought in by whom? Oh, by uh, one of the consultants in a halfway house. My dad never took me physically there. No, no, no. My dad didn't even really know how these things were like. But at a point in life, he was very happy to know there was torture inside because this is how much, this is how resentful he was at me at that point. Now it's not like that, of course. You know, I don't want to say anything bad about him now. It's not like that. Back then, he was kind of like, whatever the f*** gets you sober, I don't care. You know? He's like, that's, he had, had he can't do it. Uh, so the guy would like, easily by tell me to take off my shorts i'd be naked basically you know because you know supposedly to check for drugs and then they make little comments you know they'd be like have you never have you never gone undressed before for uh for uh for it's called for a woman okay was are you thinking is this rhetorical or what Danny? and then i'm like oh no i have and he said okay well consider me as your whore right now i'm gonna play with your right and this is all again just to search for drugs, but they do more than that, okay? sonor <laughs> at that point, yeah. And then, uh, this is just the introduction. That is, uh, you're going upstairs. Thanks everyone for your time and attention. That was the first part of episode three, elaborating on Omar's story, uh, focusing on the issues of uh, addiction and sobriety. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be launching the second part of episode 3 soon, so please stay tuned. Thanks everyone.